0: This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net.
1: Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Two Girls, One Ship, the podcast where we analyze, rate, and review All that the world of video game romances has to offer. I'm Genesis, the girl who really truly is loving Baldur's Gate 3 way too much. That's interfering with other personal activities. This is bad.
2: Um, And I'm Bravada, the girl who is not surprised by that confession at all. Like, was that a secret? No. (laughs) Yes.
1: Um, But I was also reminded that I do, in fact, uh, host two podcasts, and maybe I should focus a little bit on the other video game I'm supposed to cover. So... Oh,
2: yeah. You should probably do that.
1: But tonight, we are... It's a possibility that we're talking Baldur's Gate 3, uh... But we'll try and broaden it out a little bit more because tonight is our patron chat. Apollo, say hi.
3: Hello.
1: Hi. You are the only one here with us tonight. So I'm not quite sure what happened. Maybe there was some confusion. It is the last Friday of the month. People, where are you? Um, So hopefully we can get a few more people in. But if not, it'll just be the three of us, just like our first patron chat where it's just the three of us uh, harken all the way back to 2022? Or was it 21? The years are all blending together now.
2: No, it was 2022, I think, because 2021, we were only there for two months, (laughs) November, December. And
3: and I know I was already in this house on that first patron chat, and that was 22.
1: Okay. All right. Thank you. Years have ran together now. I have no idea what happened when. <laughs> um, and I guess that kind of leads into our topic for tonight of how all the years and time can start to blend together. And especially in the setting of a post-apocalyptic world, time has no meaning once you've been through the apocalypse. But does love? Does love still hold a meaning? In a post-apocalyptic setting. And that's what we're going to discuss tonight. Is it worth it? Should you even? Why? This is kind of your question, so you want to lead a little bit more into it? Okay, so my thoughts
2: were like that we've had some games where there were romance options or there was a predetermined romance within the narrative happening in a game that is either during like an active collapse apocalypse like it's happening right now or it's very recent or it happened a long time ago and this is the new world order after the bombs fell like in fallout so my thought is i mean i'm pretty positive that you can't stop sex and love that's it's always going to find a way um my thought on it where what were the pros and cons to it for like my immediate thought is like Jurassic Park, like life finds a way I'm as a woman concerned with, you know, childbearing post apocalypse during the apocalypse, healthcare, that sort of thing, but also birth control. Like it's not even just, do you have access to it? Is it even feasible? But it's also like, if it's a recent apocalypse, like the last of us, does your body get messed up? because you can never have your hormonal iud removed or something you know like there's no more OBGYNs. like what are the implications of all of these things for the apocalypse what is a male point of view because they don't maybe think about those things but i do but they had a tiny tiny bit in the last of a show where they show joel getting ellie some pads but like that's like the most i feel like we've delved into the actual physical aspects of living in the apocalypse when it comes to you know your reproductive health which also i know that's not romance but i feel like romance is is always there but i'm really thinking of like what are the practical pros and cons to a physical relationship post-apocalypse or during
3: the apocalypse do either of you have thoughts on that because i (laughs) i mean yeah i I agree with a lot of what you said. I think love is important in a post-apocalyptic world because it gives people something to live for. Without love, why are you even alive? You're just surviving. And surviving and living are two different things. And I mean, I obviously in a post-apocalyptic world, your first issue is going to be survival. But do you want to just spend the rest of your life surviving? Because what's the point? But then if love goes too far, you can end up like, Shane and The Walking Dead, where you just want to kill everybody that you see to keep your people safe. And what kind of life is that? Because now you're just in endless conflict. So it's a fine line, but love is important because there's, I think you'd have nothing to live for in an apocalyptic world. But child, you went where I was, where I've always gone. And I think childbirth in a post-apocalyptic world is a terrible idea, at least at first, when there's no if If an apocalypse happens, for there's an amount of time that everybody has to be able to pull their own weight. And a baby, by virtue of being a baby, can't, that is a burden that is going to be tough in an apocalypse. And just like you said, j- just the dangers. I mean, for how most of human history, a woman who had a bunch of kids was thought to be more of a woman than, woman who hadn't because of how dangerous it was in an apocalypse we go right back to that so simply carrying a baby to term becomes you probably have a 50 50 chance at best to survive it so that's a horrible idea in an apocalypse in an apocalypse i think
1: i think it's also about like the the timing of it for me if we are the bomb let's take like fallout 4 for example if the bomb just landed last year and everything is like still extreme radiation and we're still like in the freak out phase of everything no child plant like having a kid in that moment not a good idea but in the time where we're at in fallout 4 now you know it's like been what 70 years since the bombs flute fell or something like that i don't remember exactly no it's like 270 okay (laughs) um then yeah totally you should be having babies and you know helping to repopulate the world um and falling in love and doing all the things i don't think it's. I, i guess yeah it's all about like is it morally acceptable to put that taxation of resources that is a newborn baby and then also, I don't know if I could focus on my own survival while also taking care of kids.
3: Yeah. yeah. Well, well, I, I mean, mean like so good. I was just,
1: I was just saying like, that's
2: assuming you have a choice too. That's the other part of it is like the people who are able to bear children, do they it's it's like I guess it also depends on how old they are and what they are taught or what they know and the circumstances around how they became pregnant, but there's not necessarily a choice all the time. Like I've I've heard lots of people be like, Oh, you had six, so that's the risk. For sure. I just don't see a world where like people are it's not even now when it's the it's arguably the safest time to have children, people still take that risk just for the sake of having that physical connection with someone they love. But uh-uh. that's why we have birth control. Thank goodness. But in the apocalypse, it's like, do you have to just preach abstinence to avoid it? Cause, cause yeah, that that's literally like a death sentence for either you or your kid or both because it's the apocalypse. Like, I mean, I'm thinking mainly the newer apocalypse worlds like last of us, unless you get lucky like Ellie and, your mom gets viciously killed by zombies but you at least are immune to them like, yay
3: well unless they actually get a hold of you and rip you limb from limb
2: yeah exactly someone still has to take care of you like and that's very necessary like to have the continuation of the
3: species babies will have to be born like that is just a fact so right. but then to like go back to what jen was saying it also depends on the timing like if you're living in the walking dead universe where You're basically nomadic because everything keeps going to hell every few months. Having a baby just isn't going to work. But if you're in The Last of Us and you live in Jackson, babies probably is feasible because they have the resources. They've got walls. They've got protection. I mean, it really just depends on where you're at. But even again, even in the even in something like The Walking Dead, it comes down to like, who do you want to be? Do you want to be Shane or do you want to be Rick? And I hope more people would want to be Rick in the best sense, but who knows? There's a whole lot of Shanes out. There's a lot of people out there that are like, "No, Shane was right," but oh, I hated Shane.
2: Um, I want to be like Glenn. So, <laughs> is that an option? <laughs> I loved him. Oh, Bat Night! Welcome. Uh, Sorry, I'm like crazy late. My sister has texted me a thought she'd like to share about the apocalypse discussion we were having whenever we're ready. Okay. So Muffany Cake, who could be here tonight, if she were not currently on a plane coming here to where we are physically, um, she said, there are studies that show cognitive function in war times or the apocalypse, AKA declines due to stress, but not when there are heightened levels of human connectedness so, like being in a relationship will literally facilitate survival. Um, she has airplane Wi-Fi right now, so she can't load the source. But Google it if you want to find it from like NMCB. Wait, wait NMCI ML. I can't remember the name of the website with all the medical studies on it. I'm on there all the time because I'm a nerd. But yeah, Google it. If anything. That's nice, though. I love that.
3: Well, the hmm. Spartans were very well known for the fact that, like, two two warriors would share a tent, and those two warriors that shared tents were very often lovers because they believed that it made them better fighters to fight alongside someone they actually loved versus just worked with.
1: Oh, my God. I can't think of his name. uh Petrocles? Petrocles?
3: achilles and patroclus
1: thank you i knew you were gonna get it uh yeah i mean that's a very famous one and i mean yeah you get the endorphins and the serotonin and the happy feel-good hormones and everything like that and so i mean yeah i guess it makes sense it's just maybe maybe everybody should just is that what we're saying everybody just needs to go have gay sex in the apocalypse so that way there's no risk of pregnancy like i don't want that to be the stance i mean it works there's
2: still there's still the matter of of stis and other issues Mm. that come about from sexual intercourse to consider but i mean so even if the apocalypse is happening you should still practice safe sex
3: I mean, and once the apocalypse happens and everything goes to hell, you're, there's only going to be so many condoms left.
2: Yeah, and, and antibiotics. I mean, unless it's you're lucky and it's you've got like a loaf of bread, you can grow some penicillin on, and hopefully you're not allergic, and hopefully it's Do not like resistant. I know like how a to resistant. grow
3: penicillin on bread. Yeah, you can. That's how it works. I mean, I know, but I'm <laughs> saying, but is it that simple? You just grow it on I bread think you, and eat it? Like, how does that work? I I would do
2: it if I if I was literally dying of an infection of in the apocalypse, I would try anything <laughs> to survive, or I would be dead so fast. That's my, my thought is like, I mean, I, I've been running for the past four months, I used to be a runner and a swimmer in my youth. But I've been running again. And I'm like, hell, yeah, the apocalypse comes, I can outrun the zombies, you know, cardio, that's like rule number one, right. Um, but In reality, I am a little baby, so I would die so fast. And that's probably for the best. I don't want to live to see the world turn into
3: that. Yeah, realistically, if the apocalypse happens, I'm kind of hoping I'm taken out quickly because I can't live like that. I'm not a survivalist.
2: Honestly, the, the thought that scares me so much about the apocalypse is not having children after. It's the child I have now. Like, like, have you guys seen the quiet place like that kind of situation? OK, so there's the, the mom and dad and they have two kids and then she's currently pregnant and the monsters that destroyed everything attack via sound. So you have to be very, very quiet. And luckily for them, their daughter is deaf. So they all know sign language so they can communicate really well, despite not being able to make sound. But um, it's still like horrifying, like the things they have to do to ensure their children's survivals like that. I don't know. I just don't want the apocalypse to happen.
3: But wasn't that movie a huge plot hole because those monsters only existed, only lived in that one little section of the world and they could have just nuked that whole section of the world and been done with it.
2: I don't think so. I thought they were like everywhere. There's like another one. There's another one coming out with Lupita Nyong'o, which I'm very excited about. And it's about how it started because the movie, there's two of them. It's it's during the apocalypse or it's after it. It's not like when it started. And so now they're going to release one when it started. So you can see how it started. But in any case, it's like, I don't know. I feel like connection, human connection is important. Not necessarily romantic, but that helps. But the sex aspect of it is what gets me, like, scared. I don't want the repercussions, the children, the possible infections or diseases you can get. I don't want any of that in the apocalypse.
3: But even then, it still comes back down to where do you live? Because if we just, even with The Last of Us, do you live in Jackson or do you live in Serified Island where certain girls are told they have to be wives? And they marry them off to 60 year old men. Like, so much of it would just come down to where you live. And do you have good leaders or do you have insane leaders?
1: I feel like we need to give Bat Knight a little bit of the spotlight for a minute and let him weigh in on whether or not love and romance and sex in a post apocalyptic setting is worth it.
0: Well, uh, <laughs> I can, I can. I can I can give the same logic to that that I give to when my wife and I will be discussing like, uh, you know, jobs and, uh, you know, her, or she's very much a penny pincher and very frugal and very organized and, you know, double and triple checks, the finances at all times to make sure that, I'm, and I'm all, I'm I'm on board with all that because I don't do next to any of it. But when, it, when she's sitting here and like, you know, I keep trying having to point out, you know, we have credit cards, we have, you know, safety nets in place, and when it comes to the finances, or in this example of this, you know, zomb- uh, hypothetical zombie apocalypse, there's a difference between surviving and actually living. If all you're doing is getting by by the skin of your teeth, if all you're doing is, if if your entire focus Is just on living to the next or surviving to the next day, but you don't actually live your life, then what the hell's the point? And so, you know, does that include sex? Does that include, you know, entertainment? Does that include whatever? Yes. Because again, why bother if all you're gonna do is we have to fight back the monsters or we have to, you know, yes, all those things are important. But live your life. Otherwise, what's the point? So do I think it's, you know, important? Hell yeah. In some cases, it's it could be just it could be argued it's just as important as the survival, because again, it then changes things from simply surviving to actually living.
2: Have you ever seen the show Station Eleven? I think it was based on a book or maybe a graphic novel, but Anyway, it's on HBO and it's a post-apocalyptic show. When it came out, it was a little too soon, I feel like, because it was a kind of flu apocalypse and it was very, very much in COVID times when that came out. Um, But something I loved about that show is it's the apocalypse. There's no like infrastructure, really. People just like walk around and are very nomadic and try to avoid getting sick. But the sickness also has mostly passed. It just kind of came through and wiped out most people. But there's a traveling um, theater company that just go and perform Shakespeare works, and I loved that because I had never seen anything really that was apocalyptic in nature. At least that soon in that show is probably I think like twenty years after it started or ten years. It was pretty recent still, but I was like, it's so lovely to see like art still being a thing. Also, you know,
0: because they have to have something besides just surviving, like you said. I mean, they kind of had something similar in, uh, I mean, it was looked at as a throwaway gag and I believe the third, maybe the third and the fourth, I don't know, but I know at least the, uh, third, uh, Thor movie, they were doing plays now granted that was because Loki wanted to see, you know, himself looked at as the hero and all this, but yeah, I think it wasn't mentioned in the fourth one because then they had the new, new Asgard situation happening. And, uh, the Matt Damon character shows up again saying, you know, something to the tune of, well, I know this just happened, but we always re- we need to discuss what we're going to do about the plays. You know, it, I get that was it was supposed to be a joke, but at the same time, it's, well, yeah, people need to be entertained or not. I wouldn't necessarily say need to, but it, it can help. You know, when you have something tragic happen, you know, like in that movie, it was – uh gore showing up and shadow monsters and the whole thing and so you know it's like yeah i know this just happened but you know if we can find a way to entertain because in light of this and it could be used as a coping mechanism so no
1: i agree i i think that living life not just surviving it is very important and the art and media, and you know, even just sitting there and having fun conversations during times of trauma is very important. Um, and so is human physical connection.
2: So, all right. I think that's what they mean when they say the indomitable human spirit.
1: Yeah. I think this might be a good time for us to jump into our mid-break where we can listen to some sponsors of the show, thank our lovely, lovely patrons, and when we come back, we will ask the other question that was posed for the night. I was like, what are we mid-break dancing to? I don't know. Uh... Uh, a dance that starts with a P um a pasado The polka A potado. That's
2: ballet though. I don't one. know what a
0: polka dance would be.
2: Yeah, polka dance. Um, yeah, I, don't I don't know any other P starting dance. I mean there's then. the
1: potty dance
2: because when I mean, you, you said
3: we talked P P a dance, lot about Buffy, like... you got the uh, you got the Buffy theme song play ready to go.
1: No, I, I have
3: I the can angel theme ready to go. I <laughs> don't know if that, can you, can you even do, can, could you even use the Buffy theme song? I don't know yeah. what copyright, copyright law says. I don't know.
1: Well, huge shout outs and major love to our patrons. You guys are seriously amazing uh, and helped supported uh bringing Muffiny Cake all the way across the United States. I cannot wait to meet you in person, my dear. Um, and then huge shout-outs, major loves, all the thank-yous to Toasty and Apollo, Becky and Daddy Bat Night, Stoned Mystios and Muffiny Cake, Winifer and Lavellany. Thank you. And all of you that were just
2: mentioned where you at I hope I hope this works out maybe I don't know I hope this time works out for everybody doesn't seem like it (laughs) we haven't had much success getting you guys here maybe next month
1: maybe from March we'll do we'll pull in the luck of the Irish and get everybody on we'll see uh just for a special note we will not be live streaming next week. February no March 1st would be our next live stream but we are skipping that for a very 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 special occasion Um, who knows we might record some stuff randomly and post it on our social medias so make sure that you are following us on there and yeah let's get back into the show This one was a topic that I wanted to talk about, and so I hope that you guys enjoy it too. And it is the other topic that we had on our Patreon chat vote vote list for this episode, and it is, what is your favorite romance scene or romance moment outside of the end of the game culmination scene? So... Not your big sex scene. It could be like a beginning sex scene, like earlier in the game. For games that have multiple scenes, it could just be a kiss moment. It could be a throwaway banter line that you have while you're out partying, or doing not partying, but <laughs> like doing missions. What is your favorite non-culmination romance moment?
0: In your reaction, you have two. Mm-hmm. So. Go for it. Uh, one of which is a game that we always talk about. And then the other one is a game that I always talk about, which is going to make the shirt I happen to have on really ironic. Um, the first one is, uh, <laughs> I always feel like I'm stealing Apollo's uh, answer when I do this stuff, but it's uh, uh, Tally's Citadel scene. I know y'all dog the snot out of it, Is about about how it was so cringe and everything. I thought it was freaking adorable because I am a giant movie nerd. And so the idea of the cute girl wanting to sit and show me her favorite film, like I live for that kind of stuff. Now, I am not a fan of musicals. I have a very silly reason as to why, but I am not a fan of musicals. There's only one musical that I can tolerate that's not an animated Disney movie because that they get away with because it's cartoons. Um, Live action musicals, I cannot stand. And it's a very silly reason. But anyway, Uh, so but Tally standing up and singing along with her movie was the singing perfect. No. Is she going to be on an intergalactic idol? Probably not. But I still, I look at that scene and I think it's every bit of adorable. I love that scene so much. And it's that scene is one of the reasons why when we start talking about like favorite romances or something, Tally's always near the top of the list because I just, I think that just a very wholesome, very good scene. Now, on the other end of the coin is... It is a pivotal romance moment, but it's not a traditional romance scene. And big, giant, massive spoilers. But in the second Spider-Man game, <laughs> uh, by the way, everybody here okay on that? If I talk about that, okay, just checking. There is a boss fight where Mary Jane gets infected by the Venom symbiote, and she, you know, lashes out at Peter. And so you have a boss fight where you're fighting. Mary Jane as a tree. And she basically, it's one of those that Mary Jane up until that point had been like the epitome of supportive. She was backing Peter in everything. Like, you know, he's in between jobs. His, you know, aunt had passed in the, you know, in the end of the first game, like there was a lot going on and she was trying her best to not weigh more on his, situation so everything that was bothering her she either didn't talk about to where you didn't even know most of it you know was a problem or she just you know well there's a thing but we can talk about it later you know she she was very much trying to not add to his stress but the venom symbiote in her Now she's unleashing. Oh, yeah, you need me around because you can't even hold down a job. You know, I've got to do this for you. I've got to do this for you. Like it's a very she finally just lets loose of all the stuff that she had been carrying. And in the middle of the fight, like the dialogue between the two of them, Peter's like, I'm sorry, I didn't realize I was putting all this on you. I could have been, you know, but. So you're not only having a physical fist fight between a superhero and a supervillain, you're hashing out all these things, all this pent up, you know, frustration between the two of them. And I I made a point to, I played it, I saved, I, I, I saved it. And then I called my wife in and I was like, I want you to hear this because that to me was like, that was a big moment for their relationship was they were finally getting everything out in the open they weren't doing that dance anymore of trying to you know be the stronger shoulder because eventually you know the problem with that is even Atlas shrugged once or twice so you can't carry the weight of not only your world but somebody else's you know the relationship has to be a give or take and that was such a beautiful moment for both of them to just let loose of Okay, there's been some faults on both sides here. So let's knock this in the knock this in the bud. Granted it's just, you know, under the framework of a boss fight in a video game. So no, I love that. To me that was a great a fantastic moment not just in that game but in the series as a whole. And it was over the course of the second game where I'm like this is my Spidey and MJ because you know, you guys have heard me. I'm all, I'm always more team Felicia than I am team MJ, but after that game I'm like, Felicia, who? Fuck that. No, 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 no.
1: I love that. The first one that you brought up was uh, Tally. Right. Okay. So I'm sorry that I didn't like the scene as much as you. I'm aware of that. I think it had a lot to do with it brought me back to the age of the 16 year old kid sitting on the couch with her boyfriend, making him watch a love story movie and then getting up and trying to sing. And like it put my brain back into those moments. And that's why I'm like, this scene is not for me. It's for somebody it's for a lot of people, but it's just not for me Um, because it made me feel awkward teenage love. And that's not what I want in a video game romance. Um, But when The MJ Spider-Man fight. That one seems very much up my alley. It is a physical confrontation. And then it is also a, we're going to hash our shit out because now I feel the empowerment, the I'm not going to hold anything back now um, type of argument that sometimes really needs to happen in a relationship in order for it to healthily move forward. You know, knockout, drag out fights, well, okay, physical altercations between you and your significant other are never the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. But if moving your body physically around is something that helps you, um, you know, like you hear like, oh, if you're angry, go blow off steam, go hit a punching bag, go do things like that. I don't see an issue with you and your significant other getting in a boxing ring. And under a controlled environment, punching each other in the fucking face, We're like that. Go paintballing. Go shoot each other. Go do something to where the physicality of it can allow those emotions that you've been pent that you have been holding in to come out. um But I also know that that's not how everybody else works either. Some people would be very intimidated by that and have a feeling of like, oh, I can't be doing something physically and then also having an argument with it because then that can also bring up different levels of trauma um, due to previous physical altercations while arguing. So that's why controlled violence can sometimes be a good thing. So I really like that. And I already have a whole bunch of reasons to play Spider-Man. But that one just stacks another reason onto the, yes, you're going to play this once you can eventually pull yourself out of the BG3 hole you have dug yourself into.
3: I have an opinion of BG3. Daddy Bad Night, I I might have told them that you and I have bonded over, we wish we loved the game like they do, but we just don't.
0: You rented me out! (laughs) They understand I uninstalled it. I did. Oh, I... oh so did I.
2: That's
3: fine. It's gone. To be fair, it's a huge file, and I do have other games coming out. I, like I'm playing banishers Ghost of New Eden now, and then the Final Fantasy comes out next month. So I only have so much space.
1: Wait, I did they actually give a release the date on Final Shadow Fantasy 16? What was that? Did they actually give a release date for Final Fantasy 16 on the PC?
3: Oh, I don't know. The Final Fantasy VII remake comes oh, out, and like I don't care about seven. No, sorry. Oh, it's oh, it looks amazing. Have you seen the oh, reviews? The remake looks like it's it looks like game of the year level material. It looks amazing.
1: Yeah, but I'll Luke, play it every game that I've already played.
3: I've had somebody tell me before. I think they changed thing. I think they changed a decent amount. I think they changed a good deal of it.
0: I've always believed that if there was any final fantasy game that was going to get my attention. It was seven. And then when I saw the combat and was like, Oh, they took away all the turn-based crap. Uh, I was like, yeah, I might be able to jump on this now. And it's, I got it as a freebie for uh PlayStation Plus, And it's been sitting there. It's has not been touched yet, but I, I might try that, but no, I reinstalled the shadow of war from uh, the, the, the Mordor games, the second Mordor game. I, I I was like, you know what, fantasy, and this one's played like I like to play. So,
3: the Final um, Fantasy VII remake has fast paced, fun combat. Like it really is fun combat. It feels it's like fast paced, like Spider Man.
2: I just want to say, for the record, I don't think you should fist fight your romantic partner under any circumstances. I didn't actually like that when you're describing it, but I realize I might. Uh, Have a different opinion than some people. I think it's fine if you have those kind of feelings that you need to like physically get your anger out. I think like going to one of those places where you can destroy a car is like a good thing, but I personally don't think it's ever a good idea to direct that kind of violence toward the person you're supposed to love. And I get that MJ was under the symbiotes' direction. So That one's a little bit different, but yeah, I just don't think you should do that, um, ever. So if you feel like you need to have a knockdown drag out fight with your loved one, um, don't hit them, hit something else, but like, it should be controlled too. Like if you, I don't even know, I've never, I guess that's just me though. Like I have never once felt so mad that I wanted to hit something. Uh, so it's hard for me to imagine someone being like that.
0: I don't know if I if I if can be completely and totally honest, I have had an ex back when I was in my 20s that I have never, ever put my hands on a woman well, in anger. But uh, I have had one ex in my past that we had quite a few conversations that left with me putting holes in the walls. I'm not proud of that. And it's only happened with the one ex. And now I know what not to look for.
2: Yeah. Is that not like a a sign as it was for you then that it's a not good relationship? I mean, oh, like yeah, I said, totally. MJ, I get... That was
0: the was epitome of. of a toxic situation. Yeah. And the only reason I stayed was because there was a kid involved.
2: Fair. Once again... And to be
3: fair in the game, if you didn't fight MJ as the symbiote, then you just had to stop playing the game. Yeah, that's what but I'm saying. You, you like, had to do for it. Her,
2: for this specific situation obviously like you're forced into it and she's not even herself like she's being controlled by the symbiote so it's not the same thing as literally fighting your partner who's not being controlled by a symbiote
1: you know what's really funny is that when i thought up this idea for this topic my Initial re my initial thought was the Jack and Mail Shep in the Armax Arsenal Arena, because I love that scene so much, where they are out there, yeah. they are, uh, they are fighting together towards a common goal. Um, but they're not they're um, not fighting each other, and they're they're working as a team.
2: You know what I mean? Like they're not they mad, mad at each, each other.
0: Explosion! Who doesn't yeah. love that?
2: Like they're not mad at each other hurting things to get that anger out. They're working together as a team and are very much turned on by it. So like to me, that's completely different than the
0: other situation we were talking about. That also has one of my favorite Jack lines in the entire series. I'm going to wail on you until Tandy comes out.
2: Uh, Is that your favorite scene?
1: It is. It was a toss-up between that and the tango scene, but I... I think the Jack one is just a little bit more me um, because it is a little bit more aggressive and very, I didn't really think about this when I was playing through it, like the first second, it wasn't until like the third time that I did it that I realized these are being recorded
2: while well, she deals with them. the dogs. I, I could hear them a tiny bit that time. Um, I was going to say that I, at first I thought I was going to pick the tango scene for Garris, but for two reasons. I think my thing is I think that counts technically as a sex scene because it's so sensual. And that's like the closest thing you get to a sex scene for Garris. So I'm not sure if it's like a non-culmination scene, scene, that but it, gosh, it's such a good one. I was going to say my favorite after thinking that about the tango scene with Garris I then went to the scene in The Last of Us Part Two where Ellie plays the guitar for Dana
3: in the music
2: shop. Was that where you were going to say, Apollo?
3: I was going to say two, and that was one of them. Because yeah, that's my that's my literal favorite scene of any game all time.
2: It's so good, and I love once again me and Jen being opposite like where jen picks literally a gunfight with like passionate kissing i pick like this super quiet scene where they're singing take on me by aha it's just so cute and i just love it's just it's not just a romantic scene but it's also just like what what we were just talking about with the apocalypse where it's like here they are they're they're on like this horrible quest to get revenge for joel But then they stop in this music store and she picks up a guitar and plays a song. And it's like one of the very few beautiful moments in that
3: game. I think it's deeper than that because it's also the last moment in that game that they have where shit isn't hitting the fan because after that, you're going to finish that section and then you start vengeance because right after that, they get blown up and that's it. From that point on, Ellie and Dina are never the same. And what's so crazy about that is you can miss that. Like, you don't even have to get that scene in that game. If you didn't go into that place and do that, you didn't even get that scene. Like, that is my literal favorite scene out of any game of all time. Like, I've watched... Go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, I
2: think that's on purpose because it's like, if you're not looking... Like, it's almost a parallel. of Like, because you took the time to explore that much, you were rewarded with a little bit of this extra life in the game whereas if you're just focused on your mission that's what ellie's doing too she doesn't stop and sing a song
3: you know i've used that scene to decide if i like want to watch a certain youtuber or not because i'll watch them play that game and watch that scene and if they sit and just listen to the scene and enjoy the scene for the beauty that it is then i know they're my kind of youtuber but if they talk through it and do other stuff i'm like no you're you're not going to be my type of person that i can watch because you're not you don't and again that's fine but we just don't have the same sensibilities like i'm not going to enjoy watching you
0: is that where i lost you on my
3: twitch stream (laughs) you definitely hadn't played that one that was one of mine my other one is going to be one that i've talked about before just because it's also one of my favorite scenes and i and you do get this scene, whether you romance her or not. But just that scene at the end, before Shepard enters that final mission, and Liara mind melds with you, or whatever it's called, and just puts her head on your shoulder. That's just such a beautiful scene. It's so, it's it's intimate but innocent, and it's just like you, the level of friendship they have, and the level of love they have for each other, is just comes across in that scene. Like I love that scene.
1: That one's really beautiful too. I I like that one. And I have watched just that scene from The Last of Us Two where she's playing the guitar. Um, and then of course we covered it. Didn't we? Did we cover it? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um and it's
3: the those are both very beautiful moving scenes. I fully agree with those. One thing I didn't even say about that that I even appreciate more is that scene harkens back to their relationship. Like it references something that we don't ever get to see, but a night that they had hung out together before and that song had been played. So I I appreciate that when a game lets you know that these people have history by referencing history that we're never going to see, but is clearly there in that world.
2: Yeah, because it makes it feel well, like if you were paying attention enough, then you noticed that. But then that also tells you like, oh, look at them. That that's like their song, you know? It represents their
3: relationship. But this is why you have to play that game again because you could when you watch that scene on the if you play it in the PS5 version, it's Ashley Johnson and the girl that plays Dina talking about that scene and how they made it and how much they love making that scene like. It's a, it's amazing. It's amazing playing that game where you get to listen to the voice actors talk about what they were feeling as they made those scenes.
2: As someone who used to watch like director's cuts where they had like the narration from the directors and different people for movies,
3: I feel like I would really enjoy playing that. I swear, and Neil Druckmann's I'm... in there too. He's he's talking about yeah. a lot of things. There's even I... mis- There's even like levels that they just didn't put in the game that you can play. That they talk about which actually gives you some more background. Cause there's actually, you get to meet the person where I gave Ellie her tattoo. Wow. Like so much. It's so worth it.
2: I will. I will. I swear. I promise <laughs> I will do that. Okay. We have covered both the topics. Jen has asked me to do the wrap ups. So what have you guys got going on? I know Apollo, you can go first because I know you probably have less going on internet wise.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, I got Pensacon going on this week. Should be able to meet Troy Baker tomorrow, get pictures with him and James Marsters tomorrow. Next concert isn't a concert, but we're going to go see Pete Davidson. He's coming around here, so hopefully that'll be funny. And then the countdown is on for nine rows on the floor from Taylor Swift in October. Wow, that's going to be so cool. I'm going to tell you, uh, once this stops recording, I'm going to tell you, the market value for those tickets because it's insane but i'm not going to do it on the air
2: <laughs> okay oh that cat looks so much like my cat that just died so beautiful Anyway, i'm sorry okay daddy bat Night. tell us what you got
0: uh same as usual none of, none of the extra things i was trying to do have panned out but that's cool uh i got the twitch channel youtube channel the um twitter channel all Daddy underscore bat night with a K. Uh, Currently, I am streaming uh, Sunday nights. I am streaming South Park, the stick of truth. Monday night, I am streaming Suicide Squad, kill the Justice League. Or as I jokingly say it, Monday is a game to offend me. Sunday is a game to offend everybody else. And then uh, Wednesday, I just started uh, my first playthrough of God of War Ragnarok. So, uh, and so Sunday, Monday, and Wednesdays, 9 PM Eastern time, uh, ish. And I tell everybody, you know, whether you're following subscribed or just chatting, it's all fellow nights of the gaming table. And I wish them all a great day and a night night.
1: Right. Well, thank you both for coming on tonight. This was fun and very wildly different topics. Um, so, That makes my little Gemini brain happy. (laughs) I love going crazy places. And if you like what you are hearing, please be sure to leave a review on iTunes or on Spotify and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can now find me on the Cyberpunk Lorecast with my co-host Toasty, where we explore the foundations of the past, the state of Night City today, and the news of the future for all things cyberpunk. Check out Scyther Audio's newest fan-made production, The Avengers, the audio drama, where you can find me and several of our podcasting friends. You can also reach out to me on the Two Girls One Ship channel on the Robots Radio Discord, and come give us a follow on all the social medias. You're on patreon.com slash Ship. Our theme music was composed by the ever-talented Pipe Man Studios, and our artwork was designed by the esteemed Let's Not. Links are in the description.
2: I am also on the Robots Radio Discord and at our own Two Girls, One Ship Discord server where we nerd out on all our favorite CGI significant others and sometimes not CGI significant others. Be sure to tune in to our Twitch streams live on Fridays at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 7.30 p.m. Pacific Time. Our podcast episodes release on Mondays because you need at least one good thing on a Monday.
1: So thanks for listening.
2: And remember... Beauty is in the eye of the controller.
0: Hi, I'm Aaron. And I'm Ariel. And we're the hosts of the Legend of
3: Zelda Lorecast, a podcast about all things Legend of Zelda, from Errol to Zora.
0: And all the fun things in between. If you're ready to dive deep and learn more about The Legend of Zelda lore and everything surrounding it, come join us on The Legend of Zelda Lorecast. You can find us on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google, and wherever else you get your podcasts. We hope to see you soon.